Well, I'm reminded this week that as I, as I look at the news and as I go through the different, as I'm on social media, I'm reminded that we're all in this together, that we're all, the whole globe is facing a pandemic crisis. And I believe that there's nothing like a crisis. Nothing like a crisis to reveal the true nature of our character when we get all uncomfortable. <laughs> Nothing like a crisis that can bring about a deep work of the Spirit of God and that something that can only happen when we're in crisis mode. We see that all the time in the Bible when there's a crisis and God comes through and how that deepens the faith of the believer. Even believers today when they experience a tragic loss or a deep crisis, we see that there's a deep transformative work in their heart that only could have happened had they been in crisis. And I feel like that's where we're at as a church. And if I can encourage you, like Pastor Wayne says, like all other great leaders, they say, don't waste a crisis. As we're in isolation and quarantine without our families, um, what is coming to the surface? As we're in close quarters, um, what's, what's coming up? <laughs> Maybe it's fear. Maybe you don't know what's coming. Maybe you're afraid of getting sick. Um, maybe it's grief. You know, I think it's interesting with grief. I think that we're probably, if we're honest with ourselves, we're probably all experiencing a little grief. We're grieving what was, the grieving, uh, the loss of our rights and, and what we were able to do before the pandemic hit. Maybe we're experiencing anxiety. This crisis is only bringing up more anxiety in our hearts. Maybe loneliness. Maybe the issue of loneliness, we are, like we are face to face with our loneliness like we've never been before. Maybe it's discomfort from our lack of freedom. Maybe you have a deep financial need so you're carrying financial burden like never before. Uh, maybe you're angry. Maybe we're angry towards others, or maybe we're angry about this situation. Either way, we're going to learn today why anger is dangerous. We're going to continue in our series, The Sermon on the Mountain. I believe that the Lord wants to transform us today from the inside out. So why don't you um, grab your Bibles with me today, and we're going to open our Bibles to Matthew 5, um, chapters 21 through 26, and we'll read that together. You have heard it said to the people long ago, do not murder anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you, anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to his brother Raka is answerable to the Sanhedrin. But anyone who says you fool will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court and do so while you still owe him on the way or he may hand you over to the judge and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. I tell you the truth, you will not get out until you have paid every last penny. 
Let's pray. Lord, we just come before you, God, and we thank you for your word, and we pray, God, that you would speak to us today afresh and anew, that you would reveal um, secret things in our hearts, and that you would bring about transformation. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Now, I think it's important to just go back one verse um, before we really dive into the context of our of our study, but really the context of this, right before uh, Jesus jumps in, in Matthew 5, verse 20, he tells the, the people that he's preaching to, um, for I tell you that unless your, ju- your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. So what Jesus is doing here, um, right off the, right out the gate, he's saying, um, hey, see these Pharisees, you need to surpass them. And when we read the Pharisee, about the Pharisees in this day, uh, we think that the Pharisees are, in our mind, we have, to have, we have a negative impression of them. But back in that day, the Pharisees were revered and, and awed and listened to and looked up to. They were the most holy. They, they looked right. Um, they, they said all the right words. They did all the right things. But what Jesus is doing here, he's telling the people that unless you surpass them, which would be shocking to hear, Jesus is calling out toxic religion in this moment Jesus is calling out toxic toxic religion you see I think that even we as believers in Christ can fall into this trap of appearances we care about the exterior if we're being truly honest uh, we care about how good we look we care about how our words sound that we have we say all the right things that our prayers are eloquent that our worship looks beautiful um, that our answers are smart in Bible study. We care about what others perceive us um, as. We care about that exterior. We tend to live from the outside uh, in. But Jesus is concerned with our hearts. He wants us to live from the inside out. He wants to transform us. I'm reminded um, I, of my son. Um, he's so cute. I love his heart. He's so expressive. And right when he was maybe like two or three years old, he was going down a slide. He had some speed, so he was going super fast. And he kind of, you know, the slide had like a little lip at the end. So that lip popped him up and he, he, you know, he kind of landed on his little bum and he got up and he turned around and he looked at that slide. He's like, Merry Christmas. And he was so mad and I was holding kind of back the laughter, but I was thinking to myself, like, son, that could have been like the F word. Like the way he was using it as a three-year-old, it was like a curse. Um, and, and to this day, uh, when this son gets real, you know, he's passionate. And so when he gets riled up, I'll hear him say a, an ungodly, an unholy word. He'll kind of shout it for everybody to hear. And I'm like, oh, son, like, where is your heart? <laughs> but let me tell you something. I would much rather have my son Uh, be bold and vocal about his sin, and I can work with that. I can call him out on it. We can talk about it. We can pray about it. We can try harder uh, next time. Then I'm reminded of, just flip that story, I'm reminded of a friend that I had um, in, in Bible college, and this friend 
man, this person was amazing. They had, their prayers were amazing. Their worship was amazing. They were smart in their classes. They had all the right words. Um, the teachers loved them. They were so eloquent and they knew the right expressions to give at the right time. But the more I got to know this person, the more I realized how far this person's heart was from the Lord. You see, they were a pastor's kid and they learned all the right language and all the right lingo and they had all the right things to say. They knew how to act. They had all the right expressions down. But their heart was far from the Lord. And I believe in the end, this person ended up being expelled from Bible college because that stuff came to the surface. I would much rather have a son that's bold and his sin is out there than a son that tries to cover it up and hide it with eloquent words. And that's what Jesus is talking about here in the Beatitudes, in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is concerned, more concerned with the condition of our hearts than the way it looks on the outside. And if we start here, if we can all start here, you know, the beginning point, uh, you heard it said that you shall not commit a mur murder. We can all agree that murder is bad, that murder is wrong, murder is a sin. And then what Jesus says next is so extreme, it's almost easy to dismiss. He's calling us as a people, to be a people of reconciliation, to lay down our anger in pursuit of reconciliation. Maybe you're, you've been angry with your spouse. Maybe even this week stuff has come up. You're angry with your siblings. You're angry with maybe your coworkers or your parents, or maybe you have some friendships that have gone sour. And the Lord wants to remove that anger from you. So before we jump in, I just want to ask you two questions. What is the difference between God's anger and our broken human anger? And two, how do we lay down our anger and pursue reconciliation? And I think in, if we look back in the Bible, we see a perfect story and a perfect example of God's anger versus human anger. We can look back at the story of Jonah I hope you guys know this story, but we see, um, we see God's anger in action. And we, you know, we hear that word, God's anger, and we kind of like, like maybe, I don't know what that does to you, but it's kind of hard to hear because we like to think of God like God is a God of love, but God is also um, a God who exercises. He can be angry that God is both loving and he can be angry. And so in Nineveh, uh, we, we go back to the story of Jonah. We can see in Nineveh um, that Nineveh was notoriously bad. They were evil, wicked. They had wicked practices. They were hurting lots of people. And um, God said, enough. Um, God is being a God of justice. Um, he is angry with the crimes that Nineveh has committed. And so God says, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh and I want you to prophesy that in 40 days there'll be, there'll be destruction. The destruction will come upon them. And you guys know the story. Jonah runs away, gets on a boat, goes the opposite direction, um, gets swallowed by a big fish. And, you know, long story short, he gets to Nineveh and he delivers this message that God has for him. And here we see that God's anger is steady. It's controlled. It's rational. It is not passive. You see, biblical anger is a hostility 
towards injustice. That God just doesn't fly off the handle. And you guys all know, I'm sure you know someone that has some serious anger issues. And so even when you hear that word anger, you just, your mind goes to them where they have this fit on this rage of anger. But this is not how our God is. He is controlled. So that God looks at Nineveh and he can no longer tolerate the injustice that is coming from Nineveh. And so Jonah goes and he prophesies and to Jonah's dismay, the king and the whole country repent and they mourn their sin and they, they, they come with sackcloth and ashes and they fast and pray and, and, and God relents, God forgives. He does not carry through. And we see this that God is always making a way for mercy. That God prefers reconciliation to retribution. Jonah, on the other hand, he loses it. He has a fit, a temper tantrum, and he, he's so upset. He's like, God, I knew you would do this. This is why I didn't want to do this in the, in the first place. And so God says, okay, Jonah, let's try something. So he you know, grows a little plant and Jonah falls asleep under the plant. And for a while, Jonah's anger is pacified. He's able to chill out a little bit. And the next day the tree dies and Jonah's right at it again. He says he wishes he would just die. He's so angry. But here's the point. Jonah's anger is not a righteous indignation towards injustice. Jonah's anger is is hardened to hatred. And his heart at this point is probably resembling Nineveh's heart. Think about it. Think about when you're so upset or you're so angry uh, with a person, when you see something good happen for the person that you're angry with. Like if we're being truly honest, like it's hard to be happy. We might even have feelings of bitterness or that's not fair. Like, do you even know what they did to me, God? Or your heart is hard. Before we throw Jonah under the bus, just think about maybe someone that you're angry with, somebody that you don't like, and something good happens to them and how you're just, ooh, it, it, it triggers that anger in your heart. If we're being truly honest, this is how we are as people, the conditions of our hearts. Lord, we need you. Jesus, now let's come back to Jesus. Jesus is concerned with anger because it's where murder starts. When we feel angry, when we've been hurt, when we've been threatened, when we've been offended, we get angry and then we begin to push back. Like, wait a minute, I don't think so. Wait, what did he just say? You guys all know the phrases because we've all said them in our minds when we've been angered by something. And it's at that point, one of two things begins to happen. One, anger whispers in your ear saying, you're okay, you are right to be angry. They crossed the line, I'm right, I have the right to be angry. And then it's when we're like this that we're full of persuasive arguments of why we're right. My anger is appropriate for this action. Um, and two, I think that when, we, when anger begins to whisper, when we begin to like mull over these conversations, these 
arguments in our head, these, you know, those arguments, those silent arguments that you have with someone, they're not there, but you're going through this argument in your mind. Um, when anger begins to whisper, I believe that it's at this moment that we are most dangerous. In our anger is when we hurt people, when we abuse people, when we insult people, and we're just overall not loving of people. We are most dangerous when we are the most right. <laughs> and you may not be twisting that knife, but your soul, that's the trajectory of your soul. And the, the, the tricky thing about anger is that it hides in our defensiveness and hate breeds in our self-justification. This is why Jesus says, look at your heart and look at your words. In the next couple of verses, Jesus says, look at your words. Do you use words? When you're angry, do you use words as a weapon? And maybe they're not all out, you know, you're attacking and abusing loud, mean, angry words, but maybe it's subtle. Maybe you use your words subtly as a weapon. Maybe you hide it in sarcasm. Maybe you, you twist it in a little joke, or maybe you're just critical. Like you say something so pointed and so critical, and, and it, those words aim and they hit their mark. When we think about um, our issues with anger and how we are, no one can stand, we all fall, fall short. We all fall short. And this is why Jesus' aim is to reach into your heart and pull that junk out. How, 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 <laughs> how does Jesus do this? Well, two things you don't do. We'll talk about what you don't do and then we'll talk about what you can do. Um, one, don't hide your anger with religious activity. In verse 23, we see, therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go be reconciled to your brother, and then you can come back to your gift. Reconciliation takes precedence over activity. That this is toxic religion when we cover our sin with religious activity. Now, let me get you, give you an example of that. That's like, ooh, I can't stand that jerk. But at least I go to church more than he does. At least I am going to Bible study and he's not. Well, I've read so many theological books on blah, blah, blah. And so at least I've got that going for me. And that guy is a jerk. Um, Jesus says, stop. Stop what you're doing and deal with the real issue. Stop being about, about the appearances and go deal with the real issue. And number two of things you don't do, don't wallow in your guilt. You know that you have an issue, don't wallow in your guilt. Sometimes it's so easy to be like, yeah, yeah, I know. You know, I totally struggle with anger. It's really, you know, I'm always, you know, I have this thing and I, I, I shouldn't and I feel bad about it and we feel guilty. Well, listen, guilt never got anybody anywhere uh, and neither did self-loathing. When we have guilty consciences and we're, we're self-loathing, that does not leave room for deep transformation of what the Lord wants to do in your heart. So here's what you can do receive reconciliation right into your anger 
before you can extend reconciliation. And what do I mean by that? Well, let's turn to verse 22, but I'm going to read to you the ESV version because there's a word there that I thought, I thought was super interesting. So this is Matthew verse 22. But I say to you, everyone who is angry with his brother is liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says you fool will be liable to hell of fire. That we see the word liable, sometimes you can just read it and gloss over it and not realize that that word is there, but it is mentioned three times. That you are liable to judgment, liable to counsel, and liable to hell. What's interesting is we just celebrated Easter and these, this order of things parallels what we see Jesus going through the very last hours of his life. We see that he was brought before Roman judgment, that he was brought before the Sanhedrin, that's the Jewish council, and finally he was brought to the cross. That when he said, my God, my God, why are you forsaking me? That's Jesus taking on our liability that we are all liable for hell. I love this quote. It's by Jim Saldian, and it says, hell is when God quarantines. Now, I think when we hear that word, we've got a whole new perspective of the word quarantine these days. Hell is when God quarantines unresisted, unrepented evil so that it will perpetrate victimization no more. You see, when Jesus hung on the cross, he was quarantined from the presence of God. That he was voluntarily quarantined from the presence of God. And this is where we see God's righteous anger and love completely reconciled. God is hostile toward injustice, but God loves perpetrators of justice. He loves Nineveh. He brings love and anger together at the cross. He made a way. He made a way for us sinners. Not by tolerating our sin, but by putting it on Christ. And knowing this, knowing that my sin and my issues, that the worst, the very worst of me was put on Christ. And knowing that I have been reconciled, knowing that I was an enemy and he calls me blessed, knowing that I'm forgiven, knowing that I'm loved, I can begin to pray for my enemies and pray for those who persecute me and pray the Lord bless them. I can begin to release my anger when I know who I am in Christ and when I know what the Lord has done for me. And I believe this today, that the Lord wants to release you and heal you of some anger that has gotten a hold of your heart. 
Like I said, I feel like this quarantine and us being in close quarters has brought up a whole slew of issues, maybe that have been hiding in the crevices of our hearts. And the Lord wants to heal you of deep-rooted anger, maybe of stuff from your past, stuff from your childhood, maybe a, a bad divorce. But the Lord wants to remove the seed of bitterness and anger that has taken root in your heart. If you need prayer, I believe that some of you maybe have some deep-rooted things and maybe just different abuse or different things have happened to you. We want to pray with you. Uh, we don't want the conversation to end here. Um, would you fill out a connection card so that we can connect with you? We can pray with you, maybe um, talk with you over the phone. Um, but for those of you um, this morning that says, Lord, like I want you to do a deep work. Some stuff has come up in this season of quarantine. And God, I need you to heal me. God, I need you to remove this from me. Would you pray with me? Um, Lord Jesus, this morning we bring our issues before you. And Lord, as we do, we bring them to the cross. We thank you, Jesus, that you have paid the penalty, that you have nailed the worst of our sin, the worst of our junk. You have taken the liability to the cross for us. Lord, I pray right now that you would release us from anger, that you would release us, Lord, from those things that have taken a bitter root in our hearts. Lord, I pray, God, that we would begin to pray for our enemies, that we would begin to pray and release forgiveness to those who have hurt us. Lord, that we would not be a toxic, we would not have toxic religion. We would not be about doing things for God and be about looking the right part. But Lord, I pray, God, that you would, you would take care of our hearts this morning, that we would always continue to keep our hearts in line and our hearts in check. And Lord, we give you this, we give you our issues of anger, Lord, and we ask you to heal us. We ask you to free us right now in Jesus' name. We thank you, God. We thank you, Lord. And maybe some of you today are listening to the message and we've talked about the power of the cross. Maybe it's coming together for the first time. Um, it's like a light bulb has come on and you're like, I get it, I see it. Um, Jesus wants to come inside of your heart. He wants to live and dwell inside of you. And all you need to do is say yes to that free gift of salvation. And so if you wanna say yes to Jesus today, there is a yes button that you can press there we'd love to pray for you and if you're on facebook or joining us any other way online would you just type in yes in the chat box so we can pray with you and agree with you but would you pray with me today as we say the salvation prayer <laughs> lord we love you we thank you god for your love that was poured out on the cross. Lord, we thank you that in spite of our sins, that you have forgiven us, that you have paid the price. So Jesus, we ask you to come into our hearts. Come and have your will and have your way in us. I receive you today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hey, well, if you said yes today for the first time, that is so awesome. You know that the Bible says that there is a party in heaven going on for everyone who says yes to Jesus. 
And so thank you again so much for sharing your online church experience with us. We look forward to connecting with you all this next week and all of the different things that we have going on. And we also look forward to seeing you next Sunday, 7.30 and 9.30. God bless. Have a great week. Hey guys, just wanted to jump on again real quick and remind you that tonight we'll be resuming our discipleship classes, Systematic Theology. You do not want to miss it. What you can do is go to our website and sign up for the discipleship class and we will send you all the information you need. It's free and what an amazing season to jump in deeper to what the Lord has for us. We look forward to seeing you all there. 